0: Welcome to this verse by verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Let's look at our text. We're in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 26. If you're new or visiting, we work verse by verse through the Bible. So last Sunday we saw that prophecy or sharing of God's word is the most important aspect of our gathering together for an afterglow service. The gift of prophecy or sharing the word of God. We've kind of hammered that over the last two months. When you hear prophecy, that's predominantly what it is now in the church, in the world, convicts the believer as well as the unbeliever in those gatherings. But the gift of tongues can bring about confusion and possible mockery of the church as a whole. So as I've been mentioning over the last few months, as we participate in an afterglow service, which we're going to do in two weeks from now, two weeks from now, next week we're going to do a study on the laying out of hands and the second baptism. So if you want to study ahead, feel free to study ahead. Why do we believe? Why does Calvary believe in the second baptism or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the laying on of hands to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We're going to go over verses for you. Not emotions, just verses for you to see and to consider and to go from there. So we'll be doing that in two weeks if you want to plan ahead. We're just going to follow the simple guidelines that are laid out for us this morning, starting in verse 26. How is it then, brethren... Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. I have this highlighted in my Bible. I encourage you to highlight your Bible if you're new to the faith. Um, it's not sacrilegious. You're not, you're not doing anything wrong. Highlight your Bible. Underline. You can write in the margins. Let all things be done for edification or for building up father we thank you and praise you for the morning we continue our worship of you by studying your word and lord we need wisdom so many people not necessarily christians i think most christians are not living in fear but so many unbelievers are living in fear and why are they afraid they're afraid of dying the media has been beating the drum for the last two years you're going to die you're going to die you're going to die if you don't do this if you don't do that the reality is we're going to die no matter what. These bodies are not made for heaven. We've got a new body waiting for us. So, Father, help us to work through the emotions with those types of people and to get down to the facts. Hey, it doesn't matter. You're going to die. What are you going to do about it? Do you know Jesus? Are you trusting in the government? What are you trusting in? Help us just ask simple, loving questions that we might have a conversation with them, that we might help them to look up to heaven, where they could spend eternity with us. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, I've touched on this verse before, but now we're at the verse. So let's look at it closely. This verse shows us that the believers had a deep desire for using their spiritual gifts. And you know, for me, it would have been such a blessing to have been a part of one of those gatherings before as well as after Paul's giving them some guidelines. You know, there was there was probably total chaos. And some of the saints were probably going home confused and at best concerned about what just took place. I think some of us could totally relate to that. So the Holy Spirit through Paul gives us the key to the use of the gifts in the church. Let all things be done for edification, for the building up. During the service, which we'll have in a couple weeks, every saint needs to make sure that it's for the building up of the church. We have to keep this in the forefront of our mind and not for the strutting of my own stuff mentality. We'll touch more upon this in a little bit. It's like that analogy of the steam-driven train. You know, you could use the steam to toot the horn. Or it could be used to empower the engine to move towards its destination. You can be in the depot all day long tooting the horn. Doesn't do any good at all because the people are trying to get to their destination. You've got to put the train in gear and allow the Holy Spirit, so to speak... Move us out into the world, but move us to love one another, agape alone another, and not get hung up with our gifts. You see, the church can gather to show off its gifts, or it can gather together to build one another up in the faith by using the gifts properly. And guys, big picture gifts, yes, now during the the afterglow, uh, we're not going to probably be using the gift of administration or the gift of hospitality or those other gifts, That's probably not going to happen. So even though we're zeroing in and an afterglow service, pretty much prophecy and possibly tongues, don't forget we're talking all gifts. All gifts are to be used for the edification of the body of Christ. And when they're used properly, the church is built up. Whether it's helping out in the Sunday school, special needs, junior high, high school, young adults, setting up, tearing down, vacuuming, cleaning, behind-the-scenes stuff, whatever gift you might have, when you use it in the body of Christ, that's for the building up of the church. And then you should also use it out in the workplace so that people, when they say, wow, you know, you really are organized. I you're amazing. You're just so organized. What could you say to them? Well, I have the gift of administration. They might say, yes, you do. And then you might say, do you understand what I just said? Yes, you have the gift of administration. Yeah, but do you really understand? Put a stone in their shoe. Perk up their interests. And say, I'll talk to you about it after work. Because you're not paying me to preach to you. But I'd like to teach you, not preach to you. I'd like to teach you something about the gift of administration. Verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at most three, each in turn. Notice that, very important, each in turn. So not talking over each other with the gift of tongues. God is a God of order. But if, if tongues does happen on that Sunday morning, we'll stop. We'll wait for the gift of interpretation, like the Bible teaches us in these verses. If there's no gift, gift of interpretation, then there's no more tongues out loud. That, that's all there is to it. If we get interpretation, okay, then we'll go back to whatever we're doing in the in the afterglow service, and then someone else might speak out in tongues. Okay, then we'll stop. We'll wait for interpre- no interpretation. Okay, then we stop them. Interpretation, okay, keep going. And then the third time speaks out. Oh, there's interpretation. Okay, and then that's it. That's it. After that, after the third, read it. And let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. So two at most three, as I just explained. And now that's a new concept for the Corinthian church here. That's like having a pinata full of candy burst forth and giving a child a bag and say, only pick up two or three pieces of candy. This is a new concept for these guys at Corinth. But God is a God of order, and they're getting the word of God taught to them via Paul, via the Holy Spirit. So we want to be aware of this. You see, again, Paul is teaching them to mature in their faith, to be childlike, not childish. To be childlike. Well, I don't understand the whole thing yet. That's okay. Just be childlike. I'm going to oversee it. I'm not going to let anything crazy happen. And if it does happen, I will acknowledge it right then and there. Because God is a God of order. So you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be afraid of that morning. It's going to be okay. Just come and enjoy and see what God is going to do. Verse 28 again. But if there is no interpreter. So the Holy Spirit is going to give someone the gift of interpretation. Typically, it's someone else, sometimes the Holy Spirit will give that person the gift of interpretation. And as you hear that gift, you might think, well, you know, he, he, they only said that tongue for like 20 seconds, but then they talked for like two minutes. So it must not be real. No, when, in different languages, remember, like in Hebrew, they, have, they might say one word, and then we have to say in English three or four words to explain that one word. So in other languages, there could be one word that we in English have to use three or four words to explain. So don't be surprised if that takes place and think, well, that was, that was nonsense because it was way too long an interpretation compared to what was spoken. No, just give God grace, give God grace and let him, see, let him show what he wants to show. Notice again that Paul doesn't refuse the gift of tongues altogether. Notice that in verse 28, so important. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Notice that it's just to be controlled by the individual believer. Again, so important as we come to these uh, functions, as we come to this meeting, you have control. And as this gets out on the internet and somebody shows up that has never been here, I'm going to know that. And if they start being goofy, they're going to be escorted out of the room because I'm not going to let the enemy come in here and destroy something that we've been working on for the last three months. Just want you to know that. So don't be afraid. And if you see somebody walked out, don't worry about it. Just pray for them because there's nuts out there that want to be about them. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. No, it's not. It's about God and what God wants to do in our midst. Keep silent in the church. So you you have that impression. There's no interpretation. And let him speak to himself and to God. So feel free to keep talking. You just talk below. You don't distract your neighbor. I, I speak in tongues. I was speaking in tongues this morning. You don't distract your neighbor because then your neighbor is wondering, I wonder what they're saying. I wonder what they're saying. God, will you give me interpretation? And then they're missing out on the meeting. No, no. You just speak to yourself and to God. God wants to hear from you. God loves hearing from his kids. So just keep praying even if you don't understand. Romans 8.26 says this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God see, God, again, loves hearing from his kids, even when we might not understand what we're saying. Let me ask you this question. Do you understand everything that God allows to come into your life? Do you understand everything? Do you understand everything that God does in and through your life? Do you understand that? No. It's a rhetorical question. Obvious answer, no. But we still walk in the faith, don't we? Yes. So again, in this issues of tongues, you may have to debug the program. Maybe you came from a church that taught otherwise, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. So, debug the program. You see, if we would just go to the Word and see if the meetings are going to stand up to the instructions, we wouldn't have these... Oh, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Go back to here, Jim. So again, Psalm 8, or, uh, Romans 8.28 says this. So, even though the answer is obvious, again, we still need to live out our faith. Why? We know that All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Tyler did not die. There was obvious his service for this past week for another officer who did die. Everyone has an appointment with God, Psalm 139. If you don't know that, read Psalm 139. But while we're here, we have to realize and understand and believe that God works all things together, all things and, and God is going to use this in a mighty way in the police force. God's going to use this to bring people to Jesus. Because unfortunately, our society is, is so imploding that people are purposely killing police, if you're not in the news. Purposely killing police. In the days of Noah, there was violence upon the face of the whole world. Jesus said it will be as it was in the days of Noah. Tighten up your belt, guys. Get ready. So going over verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let others judge. That Paul then goes on to say, let those who have a word from God share, but again, two or three at a time. And then let others, so important here, and then let others discern if what is being shared was from God or from the flesh. Now, again, we don't critique. We're not going to judge with criticism. Okay, we have to mature. And if someone shares something, we have to just pray and say, God, is that from you? That sounds really wacky. Is that from you? Just pray, or God, that is, that is talking directly to my heart. Thank you, God. We ha- this is going to be your longest, maybe longest prayer meeting for some of you. We have a prayer meeting every Saturday morning from 8.30 to 9.30. We pray for one hour. I'd venture to say that most Christians have no idea how long to pray for one hour. This is probably going to be your longest prayer meeting because... You need to be praying during the whole service, praying that God would talk to you, that God would use you, that God would give you peace, that God would bless people in the flock. You're not going to be wondering about the sports, the weather, the, the Super Bowl that's going on later that day. And if you are, you take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Because right now, God, I want to hear from you. And I'm just sharing with you from experience. I've heard, I've been in these meetings many, many times. And guys, I'm telling you, we hear from God. I got a hot flash going on. We hear from God. And so um, if you come with the right mentality, you're going to hear from God because God's word is going to be lifted high. You're going to hear from God. But it does go back to you. So again, Paul goes, then goes on to say, let those who have the word. I already said that, right? Okay. Since Paul is not only stressing order, but he's also stressing evaluation of that order you and me we're not just to take everything at face value when we go to certain meetings we're to go to the word and see if the meetings are going to stand up to the instructions given within the word if people did not if people did that more often there'd be fewer churches doing the silly things that they do you know my 44 years of christianity i've seen the laughing doctrine come into the church have any of you did any of you experience the laughing doctrine come into the church raise your hand high so those might see it don't be afraid so most of you not seen this so decades ago the laughing doctrine was uh a teaching would be going on or there'd be an afterglow service taking place and all of a sudden the holy spirit would come upon you and you would start laughing hysterically you would start laughing uncontrollably you couldn't stop You would just laugh and laugh and laugh. And there'd be a a church service of a 1,000 or 2,000 people. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit would cause the spirit of laughter to come upon everyone. And everyone would just be laughing. There wasn't even a joke. Just laughing, 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 laughing. It might last for a minute, five minutes, 10 minutes. People be on the ground laughing, kicking. Oh, this is just amazing, the Holy Spirit. What we do around here with those doctrines is we open that door over there. And we open that door over there and we let the doctrine blow right on through. I've seen the barking like dogs (laughs) blow through the church. I've seen emotionalism creep into the church and rob, rob people of the joy of a trial or tribulation allowed by God. What? Yeah, you heard me correct. James 1 says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing, knowing, not feeling, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect. That word perfect there is mature, mature. That you may mature in the faith, that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. That's the health and wealth nonsense. You should never be sick. You should never have any problems. You should have the newest car, the latest gadgets. If you don't, you must be in sin. Or you're just lacking faith. That's stupidity. Open the doors. Stupidity. I've seen the Holy Spirit being thrown around like a baseball in a stadium filled with tens of thousands of people. All of a sudden, the preacher gets up and goes, here comes the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, it's like, you guys know the wave, where everybody does the wave? I like doing the wave at those things. That's fun to do. These people don't do this. They go down. It's like, are you serious? You're throwing around the Holy Spirit? Oh, wait till the Holy Spirit gets the back of your neck. There was that season of people falling over and being glued to the floor. You might think this is ridiculous. I'm just sharing with you. I've been in this for 44 years as a Christian. They would fall to the ground, and however they landed, they couldn't move. They were stuck. It was like a, do a chalk around them. there are homicide victim, you know? Like, are you okay? No, I'm stuck. The Holy Spirit has me stuck to the floor. Why? 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 Or there are churches that had the Holy Spirit drunk tank. They literally built drunk tanks. A room that they would say, this is a drunk tank. You got so overpowered by the Holy Spirit, you couldn't drive. If you tried to drive, you'd probably get a DUI, and then you'd have a lot of explaining to do to the police. You see, watching some of those meetings over the years, it would have been easy to see what was taking place in Corinth and why the unbeliever. Guys, in this chapter, the unbeliever. Didn't want any part of it. And also why the believer might be afraid to participate in those meetings. Again, I think we can totally understand. No evaluate what is being shared to see if it lines up with the whole of Scripture. God will not contradict himself. And his word has given us all the directions that we need in order to mature in the faith. And become solid believers. Verse 30. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silence. So in other words, just relax. Be in prayer. Again, this is all about praying. And you feel like, God, you want me to share it now? And somebody else stands up. Okay, God, now is not the obvious time. You be in prayer and that person sits down. God, it's now the time. And you wait and somebody else stands up. Okay, God, that's all right. And then you pray again and nobody stands up. And you go, okay, this is my turn. And then you stand up. God's going to give you the peace. You see, again, that takes humility and patience for each and every believer. But God desires to build up his body, the church. Verses 31 and 32. For you can all prophesy one by one. Again, notice, limit of tongues, three. But as far as sharing the word of God, you can all do it. If if we have time, you can all do it, Paul's saying. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Again, notice that. And the spirits of the prophets or the person that's going to share the word of God, because you might think, well, I'm not a prophet. How do you know? If you share the word of God, you're a prophet. Don't think back to Old Testament. Don't think to John the Baptist. Just think of forth telling the word of God, a prophet or a prophetess. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That's why I never buy into this philosophy or theory or when a Christian tells me, well, I just couldn't contain myself. I just couldn't control myself. I did what I did because the Holy Spirit made me do it. No, no, no. I think, I think there was a comedian in the 80s that used to say the devil made me do it. No, we do it ourselves. We do it ourselves. For whatever reason, we do it ourselves. So be careful of that. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. It doesn't matter what name is on the building, because again, we have denominations, and I get it, I understand it, but there are different denominations out there, and uh, they'll say, well, you know what, you just, you at Calvary, you you quench the Spirit, because you don't allow certain things to take place. No, we don't quench the Spirit, we go with the Spirit, and we go with it in the Bible, but they're my brothers in Christ, and I'm not going to mock them and ridicule them. They're just, it's just different. So, hey, praise God. But what does it say here? For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Not just some, as in all the churches. Let your women... Now we got these great verses. Pastor, how are you going to dig yourself out of this? All right, let's just go to verse 36. See <laughs> an easy way to dig out. Just go to verse 36. Or did the word of God come only? No, we're going through these verses, yeah. Let your women keep silent in the churches. Do I get an amen from the guys? Yeah, you better not. (laughs) Amen, pastor, preach (laughs) it. For they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. All right, let's take that apart. These very interesting verses. Some people could really get upset about these verses if they didn't keep them in context. Remember when you read your Bible, keep it, keep the text, keep the context in the text. We've already learned in chapter 11, a few months ago, that there are women who were praying as well as prophesying within the church. We know that in chapter 11. So Paul is obviously not contradicting himself here in this chapter. But if you don't read your whole Bible, you get offended by it. That's why you want to read from Genesis to Revelation. Since Paul just mentioned confusion, I believe it's a natural transition into the fact that most women love to understand what is going on. Guys are kind of like, I don't care, whatever, when's lunch? (laughs) Also, in some cultures, even to this day, the men sit on one side of the church and the women sit on the other side. So it's easy to see why Paul brings up this matter. We went to churches when we were doing missionary work in Egypt. Um, The men greet with a kiss on the cheek. I didn't know any better, so I went up, the first woman I met who was a Christian, I grabbed her and kissed her on the cheeks. And one of them quickly pulls me aside, the interpreter quickly pulls me aside and goes, no, 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 no. Just shake hands. Only men kiss men and women kiss women. Okay. Because you go to some other cultures, Hispanic cultures, even there's a lady around here that loves to give me a kiss and I'm okay with that. That's fine. My wife's okay with that. It's totally respectful. I have no issue with that. Some cultures... Both sexes, kids, both sexes. On the cheek. Don't, we don't have to get perverted about it. It's just a part of a culture. So be careful. Be careful about extremes. See, women also desire to look into spiritual matters. It's called the relationship with God. And we all know how much women love Relationships. And if someone was sharing the word, it was probably their desire to ask their husbands right there in the service what was meant. And this could obviously cause a distraction, especially if women were on the other side. Or even if they were just separated by eight feet, whatever the case may be. So Paul admonishes the ladies to ask their husbands at home. And I could see this on a Sunday morning. You know, I'll share something and someone starts to talk to the person next to them. You guys have no idea. Maybe some of you do, but I think very few of you have no idea what takes place here on a Sunday morning in a brain that's teaching the word of God. The enemy is working in the brain that's teaching the word of God. The enemy has told me at different times in my teaching, close the Bible, nobody's interested, go home. Right in the middle of teaching, you can have a thought like that. While you're speaking another thought, the brain is so intricate. So intricate. You could have that thought. Don't believe me? Ask any other Bible teacher. They'll tell you the exact same thing. Or somebody starts to talk after you just made a point, and somebody starts to talk, and as I'm looking around, all of a sudden they're talking, and your brain goes, boy, you really offended them. They're never coming back to this church. Or your brain will say, what are they thinking about? Or somebody will laugh. You know, amongst themselves, they'll just be laughing to each other and you're going to, your brain's going, did I say something funny? I don't remember saying something funny. And you keep going on. Because as a speaker, you have to get used to that and you have to stay focused and move on. Even though the enemy is throwing things into your mind consistently as you're teaching the Word of God. If I was teaching about any other book, it probably wouldn't be a problem at all. But the Word of God cuts the heart. So the enemy wants to distract us. So that's why I encourage you. I love little children. I love babies. We have 14 grandkids. I love them all. I had a bunch of them over last night. Total chaos. It was fun. It was a blast. But in church, no. It's distracting. Even babies are distracting because they're cute. And they're asleep and they're not making any noise. They're wonderful. But people next to you or beside you or whatever, they look at, oh, look at that cute little baby. And they're mine. Look at that cute little baby just sleeping away. Oh, I remember when. And all of a sudden they they go down memory lane, and now they've missed a minute or two of the Word of God. Or somebody gets up and goes to the bathroom, all the way from over here, they go all the way to the bathroom. How many eyes watch that person? I wonder where they're going. They're, I want sometimes I want to stop, and go, they're going to the bathroom. They'll be back. <laughs> everything's okay <laughs> sometimes I have that temptation let <laughs> going, go and stay focused Jim stay focused just keep teaching it's okay <laughs> it's just natural right I have the same thing I'm not knocking anybody I'm mean, just saying I have the same thing it's just natural so we want to keep the distractions to as small as possible as small as possible well, let's not lose the great exhortation here in these verses. It is for those of us who are husbands and those who desire to be husbands someday, maybe you're single. If your wife asks you a biblical question, you shouldn't say, Go ask the pastor. And when a woman typically comes and asks me that, as I was trained by my pastor, the first thing I'll usually say is, Did you ask your husband? If I know they're married, I'll say, Did you ask your husband? No. Go ask your husband and then come and ask me that's just proper that's just proper i don't want any women thinking that they can come to me like i'm the shell answer man now i'll talk to women all day long but there needs to be proper biblical context and so it's very important that you ask your husband first the husband needs to be in the word so that he might answer her question are you listening husbands so as your, husband, as your wife asks you a question and you go, go talk to the pastor, you better catch yourself in mid-sentence. Go talk to, yes, you're talking to me. That's right. Okay, I'm going to find out for you. Yep, I'm going to find out. I might have to talk to the pastor. I might have to talk to elders. I might have to do some research. But honey, you know what? That's kind of that's confused me over the years too. I'm going to research that. And you take the responsibility to find out what the word of God says. And then if you both don't know, then yes, obviously come to us. Come to us. But what about the single gals? What about you single gals? They should feel free to ask an elder or the pastor to explain something. But even more importantly, they need to be mentored by older ladies in the church. And I'm not saying older ladies as in 70 and 80 year olds. Older women in the faith, which would include the 70 and 80 year olds. So maybe you're in your 20s, you're single, you have a question, feel free to ask a 30-year-old or a 40-year-old that you know is a solid woman in the faith. And she's going to take you to the Bible. Or ask the 70- or 80-year-old lady. There's a a lot of information in this room right now. A lot of great biblical information. But for us, for purity purposes, men should mentor men and women should mentor women. That's the way we do it around here. So I think that explains that. Verse 36-37 or did the word of god come originally from you or was it only that it re- or was it you only that it reached paul encourages his readers to evaluate what he's teaching just as peter says in second peter 1:20 knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation and you will find this in cults you will find this in cults Or churches that say that they practice Christianity, but they have cultish practices. I was raised in one of those churches. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. No, you can pray to Mary. You can pray to any saint. No, they're dead. That's called necromancing. You don't pray to the dead. It's in the Bible. It's called necromancing. No, we pray to Jesus and Jesus alone. So nobody has a private interpretation. Well, you know, our church fathers told us because God is so busy and Jesus is really busy that these other people can help you. Lie from the pit of hell. God is busy? Man, small God. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant... And then again, remember this, ignorant means unlearned. It's not necessarily a put down. It just means you're unlearned as a believer or as an unbeliever. I'm still ignorant in certain issues, so I'm unlearned. If anyone is ignorant, let him remain ignorant. Again, Paul is not saying that those who are unlearned should remain unlearned, but that if someone desires to argue about his teaching, don't argue with that person leave them alone and move on to the next person who desires to learn and grow. You see, we do not have to argue or persuade people into believing the same way that we might about certain position of scripture. And I learned this decades ago and it saved me so much heartache. There are plenty of other churches out there if people want to pick and choose certain things to believe in. They love God, they love Jesus. This is not the only church. They love God, they love Jesus. If they're not interested in the whole word of God, you're probably not going to convince them otherwise. If you think you're so smart, you're going to argue them about a position and win them. Somebody else smarter is going to come behind you and argue them out of that position. It's got to be the Holy Spirit changing their heart. Therefore, verse 39, brethren, desire earnestly. Matt, you guys can come up. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Notice that, desire earnestly. Again, we're hearing this about the Christians at Corinth, right? Desire earnestly to do what? To be in the Bible, to teach the Bible, or to give somebody a verse. And do not forbid to speak with tongues. Again, very, very important. Desire to teach the word, whether that be to children, young adults, adults, whoever that might be, desire to teach the word. And teaching doesn't have to be a 45-minute lesson. It might just be a 15-second soundbite. And sometimes those are the best things. In given situations. When you just throw something out there and let them think about what you just said, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit can use the word of God to draw people to Jesus. Isaiah fifty-five eleven says this. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. Be used of God this week. Have a verse ready to give to somebody. Pray about it. Pray about it throughout the day. God, give me a verse that I might share with somebody. That's what's going to take place. You may never never, ever see that person again. But now the Holy Spirit has something to work with. If I just give them my word, what does the Holy Spirit have to work with? Zip. The word of God, much. Again, as we wrap it up, verse 40. We have two types of churches. Well, three types of churches here. Let all things be done decently and in order. So one type of church is let all things be done as we've talked about in this chapter. It's just chaos and I never want to come back to this place. Or you have uh, decently in order. You have other churches that do everything decently in order. Stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. We try to find the balance. Let all things be done decently and in order. Going with the scriptures, doing it in in line with the scriptures and seeing what God might do in our midst. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. I thank you for the saints, Lord. I thank you for your word, uh, that you, your word gives us very clear guidance on how to have an afterglow service. And in a couple weeks, Lord, as we do this, I know the enemy is going to be at work, discouraging some, encouraging others, and possibly even bringing in a nut or two. So Lord, just give us wisdom, give us discernment. Uh, we want to do what you would have us to do. We do desire the gifts as as your Holy Spirit is teaching Paul here to teach the Corinthians. It's good. It's good to be zealous for the gifts. But just do it wisely. Do it biblically. Do it without trying to puff ourselves up. But just for the building up of the body of Christ. Father, we thank you again for all you're doing in our midst. And we pray this week, Lord, that you would use us individually, corporately, family-wise, whatever the case may be, young, old. Lord, help us to be available to maybe give someone a scripture this week. Maybe just one verse. And Lord, if we pray about it, you're gonna bring that person across our path and it's gonna be right timing, right day, right moment. It's gonna be perfect. So help us to be ready, Lord, to share with somebody your word. We thank you for the morning. Lord, we thank you for Tim. Just continue to bless his body. He's got other things going on. So Lord, just continue to bless his body. We pray for anyone who's sick in the church. We know colds are still out there. The regular flu's out there. COVID's still out there. Lord, we just pray for those that are not feeling well, that you would comfort them, encourage them, and strengthen them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's word. If you have any questions,